Hi there team, Nico here, and welcome to Minimum Standard, the Kapuka podcast. This is episode one, and I just wanted to go through a few disclaimers before we get going too much further. The first is that any views expressed in this podcast is that of the individual. I'm not a representative of the Australian Defence Force or the Australian Army or Defence Force recruiting. So take what I say with a grain of salt. I have been through and succeeded at Kapuka. However, um, yeah, I'm not coming from this in any sort of official capacity. So don't take my word for absolutely, you know, gospel. Always do thorough research. This is just meant as a sort of uh, introductory experience for civilians thinking about joining the Australian Army and wanting to go off to Kapuka. The second is that this is a learning resource. So you might be, you might find some of my stories entertaining, but this is uh, a nitty gritty look at the fine detail. I'm a bit nerdy when it comes to these things. And when I was trying to go off to Kapuka, I was looking for some sort of resource like this, someone to just say things straight down the line and go into that sort of intricate detail that I was looking for. So if you're looking for like a whiz bang podcast, um, this might not necessarily be it, but if you're looking for that sort of fine grit detail, um, yeah, stick along. I'm not looking for likes or subscribers or anything like that. This is merely a learning resource, um, something to help people out. The third uh, thing, third disclaimer that I'd like to share is that I did uh, Kapuka in 2023. I did the reservist five week, so, and I was also infantry. So also take what I say with a grain of salt if you're coming to this from the a full-timers perspective, if you're from a different core, or uh, I know that Kapuka's changed recently and now there's a three week uh, it now is three weeks long instead of the five week course. So of course, apply what I say to your individual circumstance. But with all that out of the way, we're gonna be looking at uh, this This episode one, sort of an introductory podcast to Kapuka. So what you can expect from this episode is we're gonna be looking at what Kapuka is. Where is it in Australia? Why would you do it to begin with? How long does it go for? What sort of things do you learn? What sort of things can you expect? How do you know if you cut out for Kapuka? Uh, and the main thing we're gonna be looking at is travel. So those that first day or day zero, as they call it, coming from all around Australia and what can you expect traveling to Kapuka? Uh, and that sort of first experience when it's almost the most anxiety ridden element of Kapuka because you honestly, sorry, you honestly don't know what to expect. We're gonna to touch a little bit on fitness, but that is gonna be in episode two. So if you're sort of just starting your thoughts about Kapuka and uh, just starting your entry into the Australian Defence Force, then this is a great place to start. We're just gonna be talking about things quite generally. Before we get too much further, I just wanted to say that uh, this was created to help as many people as possible. It is by no means official. I'm not gonna go into things in you know doctrine and go really fine detail it's supposed to be casting a quite wide net of people um, from a whole diverse background i can already tell that there's going to be some full-timers or some people corporal up they're going to be listening to this thinking nico you don't know what you're talking about oh my god this is just another guy creating another podcast oh when i went through kapooka i did this i did through that a little bit of that in army culture sort of that 
um, people trying to get the best of everyone else. Uh, it can be a little bit competitive. So just everyone take a chill pill, come with me, relax, and let's just have a quite general um, conversation about what Kapuka is. I'm also not gonna go really fine detail in terms of what you do every single second because I thoroughly believe that an element of this should be left to surprise. It was a surprise for me and also I don't think the ADF would be happy with me displaying all of the secrets. I mean, I could tell you what you do on each day, but I'm just gonna keep it quite general when it comes to some things um, and keep it sort of at that advice level, setting you up for success, okay? All right, so let's start off with what is Kapuka. Kapuka is the general term that is given to 1RTB, which is the training battalion for the Australian Army. So it is a base. It is near the closest town would be Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. So it's actually quite, let's just talk a little bit about the location to begin with. Some people say that it was chosen on purpose to mess with recruits because in winter it gets almost as cold as Australia gets. In summer, it gets as hot as Australia gets. It can also rain a lot, but it can also be very dry. So also you almost get every single experience that Australia can offer. I would say it's closest to that sort of stereotypical Aussie bush. It's deserty, I would say. It's red sand, red clay. It's that sort of scrub um, where you go about five centimeters under the dirt and you start hitting big rocks. Uh, it's quite hilly, I would say. Uh, it's not very flat. Um, it's sort of got that, when you go over to the PT area in particular, imagine sort of long grassy plains with kangaroos and hills and things like that. So it's not gonna be your North, uh, for us Queenslanders, it's not going to be your tropical palm trees, your beaches. Um, and then for those people that are from real far down south, it's not going to be sort of alpine region of Australia. It's that sort of bushy sort of area, if you can sort of imagine that. The base itself is a Frankenstein of every decade you can imagine. I would say the majority of the buildings look like they were built in sort of the 70s, 80s. However, there are some ultra modern buildings as well that are within the last decade or two they sort of have that it's hard to describe it it's sort of like if you went to a school like a brand new school it's sort of got that ultra modern uh but also quite uh clinical look with the brick and sort of the random metal sheet slatting uh, on the sides of the building um so that in terms of the base it's a lot smaller than you anticipate, especially those that have seen the Townsville base up in North Queensland, or those of you that have come and come from Holsworthy in Sydney, um, or even Simpsons Barracks in Melbourne, or even Gallipoli Barracks in Brisbane. It uh, it's a lot smaller than that. It, although it is quite large in scope because they do uh, explosive training and things like that, and you also have the ranges but the area that you are in as a soldier is actually quite small and smaller than you would expect. The barracks that you live in, you only you don't get to see anyone else's barracks. You get your room and most likely you won't see anyone else's room either. You get your room, which is one floor of a building. 
And then other than that, you might go to, uh, there's about one or two different classrooms that you might go to. You go to the cafeteria, you go to the chapel and the gym. And uh, that's about it outside of midweek where you go to a specific amphitheater. Other than that, some of you that are anticipating going to Kapuka might uh, have thoughts of this huge, massive military base. It is not like that. It is quite small, smaller than you would expect. So let's. So that covers what Kapuka is and where is it in Australia. Now to our next point: Why would you do Kapuka in the first place? So, in in my platoon in particular, we had people from all different walks of life. This was again from a reservist point of view. Don't anticipate that it's going to be you know a whole bunch of athletic dudes in their twenties. We had men. We had women. We had people uh, who were born in Australia, people that had got their Australian citizenship afterwards that had come from overseas. We had old people or older people. We had people, we had some 18 year olds um, and we had people that were really super fit, other people that weren't super fit. So I would, something that I did not anticipate was the wide range of people that were within my platoon. So expect that you're gonna be dealing with lots of different people from different walks of life. That goes into my part of why you would do Kapuka. I think a key thing that you need to have in your mind is your why. I know that's a bit of a flaky thing that you hear sometimes in personal development stuff. You need to have a clear idea of why you wanna be there because Kapuka really does challenge you physically and it challenges you mentally. So when you are covered in cam paint and mud and there's gas grenades going across you, smoke grenades, apologies, uh, smoke grenades going across the top of you, it might be pissing down with rain, you might have a corporal above you screaming at you. You need to have a motivation within you that's gonna push you towards the finish line because if you are hesitant in any capacity, um, it really does affect you as you try and succeed at Kapuka. If you have that small seed of doubt, that will grow and grow and grow. A good analogy that I heard is, it is almost impossible to stay within Kapuka forever. It will get everyone eventually. But what you need, you need to have enough resilience that you start, uh, you start low enough that you don't break the ceiling before March Out Parade. I'll say this, I'll say it in another way. Imagine that your resilience level is a percentage out of 100. Once you break over 100%, you voluntarily withdraw from the course and you discharge and you quit and you give up completely. 0% is, um, I'm fine, I could do this all day. Does that sort of make sense in your head? If you start off at 0%, by the end of the course, you might be at 50%, you might be at 60%, you might be at 99%, but you need to know your own well-being. you need to know how your brain works, how your body works, um, so that that resilience level does not go over 100%. Because I had some people in my course, they broke the 100% ceiling in day two, and they gave up and quit the course from there. We have some people that it's, it's strange, you hear some stories about people that are literally about to march out and they quit. So obviously there's something within them that they weren't prepared enough to keep that resilience level below that 100% threshold. Now this is physically and mentally as well. 
Um, but I would almost say that the mental resilience is more important than the physical resilience. You will go through the extremes of almost every emotion at Kapuka. When you achieve something in your section, sometimes you will feel the most satisfaction and happiness within you that you've ever felt. But when you, I've also had my lowest moments at Kapuka as well. So you need to be resilient enough that it doesn't peak and trough too much because those ups and downs is one is what is going to get you over that 100%. So this ties into why you would do it because you need to have that motivation. Are you coming to Kapuka to challenge yourself? Are you coming from a profession that almost gives you a bit of um, cabin fever? So I came from teaching, for example, and I came from a job where there was a lot of pressure on me and it forced me to be sat behind a desk the majority of the day forced me to have a overload of paperwork. So the motivation to do army and to do Kapuka was to almost feel the extremes of life, if that sort of makes any sort of sense, uh, to try and take myself out of my comfort zone and to see what I was made out of, you know, and to, to really challenge myself. So you might have a motivation, uh, you might have a uh, a friend or your parents or your grandparents might have gone through the Australian military. I even had one uh, woman in my platoon who had gone through a really bad breakup with her boyfriend who was from defense. And, you know, in their breakup period, he said, oh, you're so weak, you could never do army. And that was her motivation. So what horses for courses, whatever suits you. But I would suggest that you need to have some sort of... Um, motivation for completing Kapuka in the first place and why you would do it. It's funny. Sometimes uh, Kapuka is challenging, but rewarding, which is a, a joke that a lot of people say, because that's what they say to say when anyone ever asks you, how are you going recruit? It's challenging, but rewarding. But whenever I meet up with the people that I completed my Kapuka training with, we always have a laugh and we always reminisce about the things that we did on course. So it's one of the most difficult things that you will ever do, but it is something that is very rewarding and something that will you can take skills back into your life. These can be hard skills. So, um, you know, if anyone ever asks you in a job interview, when, is you, when have you worked as a team? When were you working as a team and something wasn't going well? What did you do to fix it? All those sort of uh, wishy-washy questions you get in a job interview, you can smash those out with a million and one stories from Kapuka. But it also gives you soft skills as well. You come back home, I feel like you're a better partner, you're a better parent, you are more organized. Um, so I'll give you an example. Before I left for Kapuka and completed Kapuka, I always had these motivation stints where I was like, oh, I'm gonna get super fit, I'm gonna eat super clean, I'm gonna get up at five in the morning and go to the gym before work. I might manage to do that once and then the second day my alarm would hit at five and I'd put it on snooze until it was too late to go to the gym and I gave up and I didn't go to the gym at all. And in fact, I probably was even late for work. Kapuka has given me the ability to just get up and get stuff done. And that's something that I appreciate. So the night before I'll have everything squared away. I'll have all of the things ready um, and I will easily be able to get up and go to the gym and get things organized. And other people look at you as if you're a superhero. <laughs> like I went to something and um, uh, someone was doing another job that I was gonna be doing 
and I made them look so ill-prepared. I had notes ready. I had my, they didn't even have a pen. I had a pen in my pocket and it just, those little things as well, those soft skills, it make it does change you. Um, but I'd say for the majority, it changes you for the better. So that covers why you would do it. Let's go over to our next point. How long does it go for? So for full-timers, it goes for 12 weeks. However, they have just changed um, Kapuka to last for three weeks. I completed the five weeks reservist course. Um, this has changed very, very recently. I think I was one of the last groups to go through on the full five-week course. So I cannot speak to any sort of certainty as to what the three-week course will entail. Uh, I can assume that it would be similar to my course. However, the waiting periods or repetitions of certain things would be cut or um, certain assessment pieces will be taken away and it'd be expected to do at your unit once you complete Kapuka. But it would largely go for three weeks. I believe why they did this was that a lot of people were completing Kapuka and then there was a real slow period where people weren't going on and completing their IETs. We'll go into that in just a second. So they've tried to shotgun them all together and clump them together so that people are so-called qualified as soon as possible, where then they can go out and do more interesting courses and that they are of use to their unit once they get back to um, their holding position, where it be Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, whatever. So let me explain this in a little bit more detail. Kapuka is all core. By what what I mean by that is that no matter what core you've agreed to be on, when you are in your platoon, you will be with everybody. So I was infantry, but you will also have band core, uh, transport, engineers, artillery. There's going to be everyone lumped up together because ADF believes that you should be a soldier first. The IETs are your trade specific courses that you then need to complete post Kapuka. So for infantry, this is your combat arms module and your module two, so CAMS and mod two. So these are the things that you complete after Kapuka. For infantry, it goes more specific as you go up. So at CAMS, you are with everyone who's a fighting corps. So you might be with armored, you might be with artillery. Next step up, it would only be infantry and you'd be most likely at the School of Infantry, but this can uh, change. Sometimes you're at Pakapunyal and things like that. So I hope that makes sense. So Kapuka is the first point of entry for anyone entering the Australian Army and it is all core. Because of that, it is quite wide ranging in terms of what you learn. You will do, uh, and that goes on to our next point here, what do you learn? So you will learn the Styre and the Minimi. Those are the two weapons that you will most likely learn, or at least that's what I learned when I was there. Uh, you will do a little bit of orienteering. You'll do a lot of lessons on just general uh, workplace skills. So you'll have lessons on respect and diversity and um, appropriate behavior in the workplace. You will have weapon theory. You will have um, how not to be seen. So there's a few lessons on camouflage. You will have lessons on army hierarchy. You'll have lessons on uh, marching and working as a group, as a unit. You'll have medical and you'll have field. Um, that's just a taste and you'll do a lot of PT as well. So there's a wide range of skills that you will do. But the overall goal is that you are 
uh, when you leave Kapuka, you, you have a general basic understanding of what it means to be an Australian soldier. What sorts of things can you expect? This is our next point. So you can expect to be challenged, uh, especially if you're doing the reservist course, and especially now that it's going down to three weeks, they do pack a lot in. So you can expect to be woken up at five, 5.30 in the morning, every morning, and be doing things until about 9.30, 10 p.m. at night. However, I would say not to be afraid of this. I actually enjoyed going out and doing things and learning things a hell of a lot more than having spare time which seems weird when you're just about to join. Um, you sort of, when you, in those first few weeks, you're craving spare moments, but you quickly learn that spare moments, um, what are that, what's the saying? Idle hands do the devil's work. <laughs> so when you're sort of sitting in a room, that's when the corporals can mess with you. That's when you're in your barracks um, and that's when you do um, those sorts of jobs that no one really wants to do. So cleaning and all that sorts of stuff. Um, and when you're in the barracks, there's lots of little calls and, and um, call signs and words of instruction that you have to follow. So when you actually are out doing something and learning something, it's almost a relief. So you can expect to be challenged. You can be expect to do things that you are afraid of. Um, so you can expect to feel anxiety just before you're about to do a challenging exercise, for example. Um, you can expect to make friends because you are almost forced to. Uh, if you do not make friends or if you do not feel a part of your section, it's gonna be very, very difficult, but don't worry. I'm introverted and I made some of the closest friends that I ever made because like I said, you're almost forced to. You can expect some really funny stories. By the end, you can expect to feel uh, a part of the group because that's almost how it's designed. You can expect to feel frustration. You can expect to be the angriest you've ever been because uh, it does push you to your limits. And there's some, like for example, I was so frustrated one time where my corporal said that I was stuffing up an exercise in particular time after time after time and I, for the life of me I could not understand what I was doing wrong that was very very frustrating so you can expect to feel frustrated you can expect to be um, tired um, so at times you will have a list of jobs to do and the corporals are not kidding when they say we are not going to bed until we get that get those jobs done you usually go to bed at a reasonable hour. There's only one night where I had to go to bed around three o'clock in the morning, but I would say that that was the fault of our platoon. Um, you can be expect to be thrown in the deep end and to be given a hell of a lot of information to be able to uh, digest very, very quickly. Sometimes the first time you get to actually do a skill is the test. So you need to be able to take in a lot of information very quickly and turn that into something uh, tangible and useful. So a lot of the times I need to uh, be taking notes and have a note-taking system and also rely on your friends as well. You can expect to be cut off from the outside world for the vast, vast, vast majority of the time that you're at Kapuka. You do not get phone time much and any phone time is at the risk of being taken away if you stuff up. So do not, I would say, expect to um, 
be away from family, not have contact with family, um, not be able to get onto the internet or even look at the news when it comes to um, being at Kapuka. Okay, we're gonna go on to the main thing of this episode and that is travel. So I'm gonna cover how the, I'd say day, almost negative one, day zero when it comes to traveling to Kapuka. So before you go off to Kapuka, you'll most likely be parading at your um, recruitment center. So for Queensland, that's Rick. Um, for Melbourne, it's M-U-R-R-I-C. Uh, for New South Wales, it's UNSWA, University of New South Wales Regiment. Um, and then basically their job is to prepare for uh, prepare you for Kapuka. Uh, I'm going to assume no prior knowledge here. So some of you I know will be parading regularly, but I'm just going to talk through the process from someone who is not even in the ADF and they're interested in how it works. So once you go through Defence Force recruiting and once you get given your letter of offer, you will be expected to be parading. However, this is not hard and fast. Um, I had periods where I didn't parade at all and then I had periods where I was parading every Tuesday. I also did um, operation certain exercise certain start as well. So some that was a, like a camp that you can do during um, your pre-Kapuka days where they sort of give you a taste of what it's going to be like on barracks. But there's a bunch of opportunities to get involved, to get to know people that are going to be going down to Kapuka at the same time as you. And the I found the lessons that QR did mimicked some of the lessons that you get at Kapuka as well, especially when it comes to uh, weapons theory, orient, orienteering, um, the camouflage one that we did was literally the same lesson we did at Kapuka. So sometimes you will be doing exercise with a PT that might put you through the PFA. They just know that you are not qualified during this time as well. So you're not most likely not going to get any hands on with anything too interesting just because you in the army, you need to have a qualification before you touch anything. So expect the exercise and PT on Tuesday nights to be quite basic, running around the lap, running laps around the oval, doing the PFA, things like that. But the lessons I would say, sometimes they're delivered in interesting ways. Sometimes it is someone giving you death by PowerPoint, but the content is pretty much spot on. Um, You'll have to do the PFA, so entry level is pretty uniform. Uh, the only difference is the difference between males and females. For males, it's 15 push-ups, 45 sit-ups, and then a 7.5 on the beep test. Although I believe this is a little bit smaller for non-combat core, so if you're a clerk, for example. Um, I'm not gonna go into specific detail with that. It's all up on Defence Force Recruiting if you need to look at the certain standards. Um, if you're not parading regularly, then, um, so that, sorry, uh, just to go one step back, you will put in, there'll be emails that'll be sent through to your email and they'll say, these are the dates of Kapuka offerings for recruit course. Um, it's usually called PTRC, part-time recruit course. Let us know which one you wanna do. You will put your name in and then you will get paneled. Once you get paneled, it's a bit of a, uh, it's more tough to take your name off. You can but you usually have to say why and, and elect another course. So before you say, yes, I wanna do this one, then just make sure that it, it's all good with your employer and all that sort of stuff. Um, you will last about a year 
parading on Tuesday nights before they come to you and say, hey, are you going to do Kapuka or not? Because if you're not going to do Kapuka, then you're going to get discharged. So you do have about a year where the clock starts ticking and you've got to make sure that you complete Kapuka during that time. Once you've been panelled for a Kapuka time, then you will get an email to turn up um, to complete your PFA. You will have already have completed a PFA to get your letter of offer, I'm assuming, but you will have to do another one the week before you depart for Kapuka. This is just to make sure that they don't have spend money flying you down to Kapuka just for you to fail the first fitness expectation. So you are to do the PFA the week before you go down. I went there, it's just, they get it done pretty quick. You rock up at a basketball court, you go in groups. It's very similar to the PFA that you will do to have get got your letter of offer to begin with. Um, just make sure that you are getting everything correct in terms of technique because I found at Kapuka, they're very stickler for detail and especially on the push-ups. You have to have go all the way down, stop, pause, all the way up again. So make sure that your techniques are correct. Once you've passed your PFA, then you get your joining instruction. So this would be a big PDF that they'll send through to you with a whole bunch of information. This is, uh, and there's also pre-Kapuka stuff that you have to do in terms of like occupational health and safety. And there's a few other things that you got to say as well with like, it's just, What's your name? What's your date? What's your email? What's your next of kin? Uh, all that sort of just general PDF form sort of stuff. Whether you have any allergies, all that sort of information. They'll also give you a list of stuff to bring. We'll cover that in another episode. They will have instructions on um, rules. So contact with the outside world, prohibited items, uh, internet and phone usage, uh, all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty cut and dry. It's There's nothing that's surprising in there, uh, but you get that PDF. They will also then give you your travel. So I, I can't remember if there's stuff that you have to do for this or whether they just give it to you. From memory, they just give it to you. Um, so from there's some places where you have to catch a train. I believe the Melbourne guys caught a train. Um, but Sydney uh, people just met at the hotel, Brisbane, Perth, Adelaide have to fly. So you fly into Sydney um, and then you hop on a bus. So you, let's slow down, sorry. You rock up, you are asked to dress in a business attire. So I just wore a white dress shirt with no tie uh, suit, pants, and like leather shoes. You have your bag full of stuff. I really only needed carry on a carry-on sort of sports bag and just a normal suitcase. You don't really need to go crazy. You check that in, you rock up to the airport when you're asked to, you have a look, and you might even see other people from, Q, from um, QUR or your university regiment there waiting. You might be friends with these people, who knows? but you can pretty much pick who's going to be going to Kapuka. They'll usually be in um, business attire or some of them will have shaved their heads in anticipation for it. I would not recommend doing that, but some people do. 
Uh, we'll go into that just uh, in a later episode. You got in, you get in, and then at the baggage claim, you can really start to tell because there's a whole bunch of flights that come in at the same time for Kapuka. We, in our joining instruction, it did say that there would be someone waiting for us. There was not. So someone took it upon themselves to ring the number that was on the joining instruction. And they said that they were at the hotel just adjacent to the airport and just to walk there as a group. So after the flight from Brisbane to Sydney, I got my bags, met up. It was pretty easy to find other people going to Kapuka and we all started walking there together as a group. Uh, the hotel is, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's a pretty generic sort of like an Ibis or it's a little bit actually a little bit better than an Ibis, but it's it's that sort of just generic hotel-y sort of hotel just adjacent to the airport there. You go underneath sort of the taxi ranks and underneath the bridges and things like that and you're walking. It sort of feels like you're walking forever around these sort of back lots of the airport, but then suddenly, you know, it's there. There's two dudes in cams in the foyer and they've got a big um, checklist and you give them your name and they say what room you're going to be in. They usually give you a little letter and in there is your swiper card. You find your roommate. You are going to be bunking with someone uh, of the same gender. So you meet up in the and you go, hey, well, I guess I'm bunking with you. Oh, hey, mate, how are you? They give you a little spiel. They just say, hey, dinner's, um, dinner is going to be, I can't remember if we had dinner together or if we just got our own dinner. I believe, no, that's correct. They give you dinner. So they say dinner will be served in the hotel restaurant at seven o'clock PM. Until then it's your own time. Um, head up to your room. We'll see you then. Don't be late. Don't do anything stupid. Stay here. Don't go off into Sydney City, see the Opera House. Uh, and that's pretty much all there is. They're not in Kapuka mode yet, the corporals. These guys are most likely going to be your platoon corporals as well. So they were for me. In fact, the guy giving the spiel ended up being my section commander. So get to know the dudes and their names. Um, once they start talking to you because you're going to be in their back pocket for the next five weeks or three weeks. Go up to your room, you do whatever you want. You've still got your phone on you, you can watch TV, you usually talk to the people in your room. You might have a shower. Um, you just, you know, watch YouTube or whatever. You go down, dinner's quite nice. Um, this was, we were all still in quite a good mood at this stage. You um, have dinner together. You, I had, for those of you that are really interested, it was like a beef briskety sort of thing with like carrots and mashed potato. It's pretty good, actually. They say, go to bed, try and get a good night's sleep. You're going to need it, all that sort of stuff. So we um, go to bed and then they say, uh, get up at six in the morning and uh, the bus will be leaving here at seven. So you get up. Um, it's hard to sleep that night, to be honest, but we usually get up, have a shower, make sure everything's sort of packed up and then you hop on the bus. And that day, you know that that evening you're gonna be sleeping in your bunks in Kapuka, but you still got a little bit of time to um, kill. So to relax and to think and to let the nerves build up. 
you hop on the bus and the bus ride from um, Sydney to Kapuka does take a little while. It's about four to six hours. So we didn't end up getting there until like 1, 2 p.m. from memory. Um, you chuck all your bags underneath the bus uh, and the bus is big enough that some people sit in groups, some people sit on their own. You get your headphones, you get a book or whatever, and you just sort of sit there. They stop periodically. You have breakfast before you leave at the hotel. They also stop at a, um, oh, what's that servo? It's uh, They do like the pork crackling and gravy and chips like that. Uh, and they have a, oh, what's it called? I'm sure you, you at home, you're saying what it is, but um, you stop at like a servo and there's a, pre-made lunch of like lamb and or pork and gravy and potatoes and things like that um it did suck though because we had breakfast which was quite a sizable breakfast of like beans and scrambled eggs and all that sort of stuff and then they stopped for breakfast at like 10 so all of us were still full from breakfast so we didn't really have much for lunch um so yeah this is a lot of driving you stop at Macca's um I just got a coffee and a I think I just got a coffee from memory. Um, but yeah, you stop at a servo. They say, this is your last chance to get shaving cream and all that sort of stuff. Um, as you go towards Kapuka, they get up and they have a little um, QR code that you scan and you're expected to watch all of these videos. Um, a lot of it is just to mess with you a little bit. They, they show footage of people like crawling through mud and crying and screaming and there's all this dramatic music and there's this guy with a really dramatic voice doing narration. Um, but it sort of get you in the, in the mindset. The only really valuable part of that is the last minute or so they talk about what to do once you arrive. Uh, and that is, you know, holding your luggage in your right hand don't speak, stand up properly, where to stand on the line when it comes to standing up on the parade square, all that sort of stuff. So just make sure you pay attention to that section. Once you arrive at Kapuka, your corporal's on the bus going to Kapuka mode. So our guy, you know, switched and he started being incredibly stern. Um, and you know that, you know, it's on. You get off the bus, you grab all your stuff, they start telling you to hurry up, hurry up, come on. And you know, you can tell that it's really started to go. My one piece of advice is if your luggage does have rollers, like rolly wheels, do not roll your wheels on the parade square. There was a number of people that did this and they got in trouble. So do not do this. Um, And then you stand up, and then they give a whole spiel about welcome to Kapuka, you're in store for this and that. And then they start calling your name one by one and these are your sections. But I'll leave that for another episode. Um, the next episode, we're gonna be going on to fitness. Uh, this will be pre-Kapuka fitness, uh, at Kapuka fitness and also medical um, in terms of illness and injury. Um, so stay in touch for episode two. Uh, In this episode, we did cover what Kapuki is, why you would do it in the first place, how long it goes for, what to expect, uh, whether you're cut out for it or not. I would say that most of people can get through it if they are resilient enough and if they believe in it enough. I think that it's challenging, but not so challenging that the general public will not be able to do it. So I think if you're listening to this podcast, 
you are a proactive person, you're off to a good start already. So I believe in you and a lot of people uh, in your support circle will believe in you also. So keep listening for episode two where we go into a little bit more detail on fitness. Thank you very much. This has been Minimum Standard, uh, the Kapuka podcast.